Hello and welcome to Taiwan Talk, a show where we talk about the stories of people living in Taiwan and Taiwanese living abroad. I'm Trevor Tortomasi, and joining me in the studio today is Sam Yarbs of Two Three Comedy. Sam has written for the Night Night Show here in Taiwan, Yeah Yeah Show. He has also hosted countless stand-up shows all around Taipei and Taiwan, and he has participated in international comedy competitions. Sam, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's great yeah. to be here, man. Absolutely, man. ICRT, we made it. We made it. Two, three comedies on ICRT, man. Nice. Uh, starting off, uh, I'm curious, um, how did Two, Three Comedy Club get started in Taipei? So I was living in uh, Kaohsiung. I started doing comedy when I lived down in Kaohsiung uh, with a good friend of mine, Rob Stocky. Shout out Rob Stocky. He's in Go New Rob. York. Still doing comedy in New mm-hmm. York, killing it. Uh, and we were doing comedy down there uh, and he was ready to move back to the US. He was ready to make a run at it. And I knew I wanted to stay in Taiwan and uh, I moved up to Taipei because at the time there wasn't much going on in the stand-up scene in Kaohsiung. There was no, we had a, a weekly mic that was very poorly attended and um, I knew Taipei was the place for English language comedy to come up and so when i moved up here uh with a friend of mine meg anderson uh we started two three comedy together at that point two three comedy uh is separate from the club it was just a facebook page a group that we organized shows kind of under this umbrella and, and what year was that that was in oh geez man let's see the clubs went open two years and probably two years before that so 2018 2017 2018 okay. yeah yeah around then yeah and so at that point we were doing our shows in the basement of uh 23 public which is a uh, bar and near the Thai power mrt station and uh the goal the kind of goal that i had because there already was comedy going on in taipei at the time there was a group that were doing shows but they had this kind of like loose organization where uh people would do shows like at different bars and there'd be different hosts and it was kind of hard to f- know like where shows work so they pop up everywhere and then maybe disappear for a month depending on who was running the show uh and i wanted there to be like one home for comedy if you come here every monday you're going to see an open mic and 23 public very generously allowed us to use their space and so uh because again we're trying to forge that connection come here for comedy 23 public we chose the name 23 comedy so it was directly taken from our partnership early on with 23 brew company so, mm. yeah yeah, I remember uh, going to comedy clubs, I guess, in like 2013 or 2014 and feeling like it was a, a fresh new scene here in Taipei as, as compared to somewhere where like, there's comedy everywhere, like LA or yeah. New York. Um, but just in a short six to eight years, uh, two, three comedy has really become like, it seems like a go-to place. What do you think makes it different than other comedy clubs? Well, I think, um, well, again, if we're talking about the, uh, the club itself, that was two years later. Mm-hmm. So originally it was just the consistency of the open mics. And I shouldn't say that's totally unique to what mm-hmm. we did at two, three Com- the history of comedy in Taiwan and Taipei is really interesting. It goes back a long ways. There have been other peaks and, you know, there was the Taipei comedy club mm-hmm. owned by Socio Chang who now owns a uh, uh, comedy base mm. uh, that did bilingual shows well before so they had this space but then there was also these kind of fallow periods where that there was you know there was nothing for for a while the only show in Taipei for English was like a once a month show at a Greek restaurant you know and it was uh, and sometimes the mics didn't work there so there was these ups and downs where these peaks and valleys so yeah, the, the peak implies a downfall like what what sort of thing makes something go out of out of style or out of I think when you're looking at something especially that 
if, as 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 good as it's been before on the English side, there's always been a it's always been a hobbyist thing at the at the end of the day. It's been uh, something that people do in addition to their real pursuit. I don't think anyone, and I don't want to speak for people who came before me, but I don't think anyone tried to professionalize it or take it as like this is what I want to do. I want to make a run at English comedy in Taipei. When you lose the driving force of maybe one or two people through you know um, uh, you know whether they move on or, or go back home or mm. you know. Uh, or you know, just the changing of venues. The Taipei Comedy Club shut down. Um, it uh, the, at, at that current place, I think their rent was going to get jacked way up, and they uh, they chose to shut down. And then when he later reopened, they focused now comedy exclusively on Mandarin uh, comedy. It's just it was just kind of a fragile infrastructure. Um, so on your Facebook page, Two Three mm -hmm. Comedy's Facebook page, the most commonly asked questions are: uh, What's the schedule? What's the menu? Normal questions. And then how can I see Brian? Brian Sung Sung Boy. He's pretty <laughs> yeah, famous. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm curious. I have to ask about him. Like, how did you guys get to know each other? And what's I actually role? brought him here. He's wit. No, no, he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's in your pocket. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Uh, so I knew Brian going back uh, to before starting Two Three Comedy um, when I was living in Kaohsiung, coming up and doing shows again at that Greek restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Brian at that point had just come back from France where he had think he'd done his master's degree in, in, over in France. And uh, I was introduced. He was like this young kid. He wants to try English stand-up and he was doing spots at the same shows as us. The same thing, like eight-minute spots here and there. And you could tell right away he was very funny. Uh, but he was really raw. He had just gotten started. Um, and at that point, he wasn't doing anything in Chinese. He was just doing English stand-up. So I built a friendship with him over the years. We just would do shows together for a long time. And then when we started two three at that point he was by then probably you know one of the best english comics um you know again doing it you know, in english and so i would try to get him in every show and at a certain point he filmed a set of his i think it was at comedy base um where he performed and that clip was picked up by several of the you know amalgamators and the um, um and Meme that sites yeah yeah and, and that <laughs> and that clip ended up getting like three million views in like a couple days or uh. something like that and we were all like talking about it. We we're like whoa brian's gonna be famous but we, we still had no idea what he was going to become um and then I mean, he was just from the beginning, he was so smart about the way he pursued after that first clip. He made other clips kind of addressing feedback to it. He just did a, he, he, um, he keyed in, he, he, you know, he got the opportunity and the luck, but he created his own luck by really following up and, and being prepared for it. And from then, it was just a snowball of momentum. And he was hosting Chinese language open mics at that point. So we'd expanded from just English to Chinese mics as well, still in that 23 public space. Uh, and then, you know, a few shortly later, he was starting the night night show and um, uh, STR network is his kind of network and things like that. And he built this kind of roster of uh, Chinese uh, of comedians. And it's great. Yes, it's awesome to see what he's done. So and by the way, you can see him on Thursday nights. He's there every Thursday. Like, buy <laughs> those tickets in advance. Just to answer yeah. the question that you get on the, yeah. the Facebook page. Right now, I think the advantage of, of working with Brian is probably that he has a, a deep connection to the larger language base here in, in oh, Taiwan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so having a place like two three comedy where you can have um english language comedy which is succeeding mm -hmm. in its own audience and chinese language comedy yeah um how has this how has it felt i guess the simplest yeah. question to to have a, a bilingual comedy club well it feels completely natural because i mean it, it it's just it reflects kind of the evolution of where we started we started with an english language open mic we added the chinese language open mic and that was really when you saw chinese uh language comedy really kind of take off and a lot of it is attributed directly to brian and his success mm. um but when you look at the wider language 
landscape now, it's not just Brian. You know, there's a lot of other, uh, just I think in the STR network, which is Brian's network, this year they're filming specials for Hello and for Chilsef, who are two, if you've ever watched the Night Show, they're two of the recognizable mm -hmm. uh, cast members there and they host and they're extremely funny stand-ups. So these guys are going to have their own specials. They're selling out uh, huge, uh, huge venues, you know, thousand plus seat uh, venues for their specials. Um, and even outside of STR, there's lots of other names who are coming up and building their own followings, whether it's through YouTube. So for two, three, where we kind of fit in the, it's true that we're a bilingual club, but if you go to two, three, you might not necessarily have a bilingual experience. You know? <laughs> That's like, fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, English nights are in English. We don't, We've done, I think, in our history, maybe four shows where Brian and I host together that are truly bilingual shows. Mm -hmm. And um, it's got a really unique audience. It's a hard yeah. target to hit. So. It's very, and I don't think we've ever really charged tickets for them either. They're okay. not like, they're not, it's a very, normally you have to have lots of comics doing short sets in their language because mm -hmm. if you came for Chinese and you're hearing someone do 10 minutes in English, you're you just tune it out. It's yeah. not not enjoyable. And then, you know, as a comic, if you're watching somebody kill or they're crushing in Chinese, you're yeah. like, oh, they're not going to like my English at all. You know, it's the, it's a bummer. So you got to keep it quick and make it like game based. So most nights, an English night is going to be an English show. Brian's night, you're not going to see anyone doing anything in English there. Mm. So the ownership, the structure, the idea behind it is bilingual. And the, um, but the execution on a given night um, is, is going to be Chinese or English, depending. Mm. I should say Fig, the improv group, they do bilingual stuff they are truly okay, bilingual nice. yeah they're good up in there and jibber jabber and so there's, there's, a, there's a clear uh, division for audiences to know what they're looking for yeah. there um but in uh in having two different like languages going on uh over the course of a week um you have some english language nights where your uh local comics are performing mm -hmm. in, in not their native language yeah. and vice versa have you performed in in chinese before yes uh, saying that i have performed comedy in chinese is insulting to both Chinese and comedy, but I have gone on stage with a microphone and attempted to get through five minute sets. Uh, for a while, I convinced myself that I was getting better at it. Mm. And I remember I did one open mic that Brian actually hosted. And afterwards, he asked the audience to raise their hand if anybody understood a word I said. And only two people raised their hand. And they were both people I had talked to in English during my set. Oh, yeah. so I, was like, I was like, oh, I kind of realized, you know, at a certain point, Obviously, it's fun. I don't think anyone minds you trying, but it's become so popular that if I were to go to a Chinese mic now, I would be taking somebody's spot who really deserves a chance to mm -hmm. be there. So I wouldn't, I want to try again in the future, but um, you can make it as short as you want, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You, you, oh, I could pop up for, yeah, 30 seconds, I mm -hmm. guess. And th that'd be a one way to spend a Tuesday night, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Um, but uh, it's, it's interesting because um, every comic who is truly bilingual, like Brian's truly bilingual. He grew up, uh, he spent a significant time in the US and Taiwan. He speaks both fluently. Uh, and he's told me multiple times, it's like, well, you cannot just translate a joke mm. if you have a joke in english you cannot go word for word this means this this means this you can take a premise and apply it to the other language you can be like this is funny funny is still funny but you have to approach it just grammatically conceptually from an entirely different angle yeah and the idea that you're going to go up there with you know i'm going to write my english set in pinyin down and be like <laughs> oh you know and uh is again it's not at that point it's not comedy and some of the laughs you're eliciting are because of how bad your Chinese is, which yeah. is a crutch that you can use for a little bit, but you don't, I, I don't think anybody. It's not scalable, I guess. Yeah, I exactly. <laughs> it's very, yeah, it's very limited. Yeah, again, like five minutes of that may be cute once a week. Uh, I'd like to get your opinion too on like, what jokes have you seen work in English, but not in Chinese? Maybe even if you didn't understand it, have you heard yeah. about like what seems to translate well or doesn't translate? 
But like in terms of like topics or subject matter kind mm -hmm. of, or yeah. just like that, you know, it's interesting. And that's, uh, that's an interesting question. Cause this is one I get asked all the time, uh, in, in different interviews. It's kind of like, it, th like the crux of it is kind of what you're asking is like, uh, do Taiwanese audiences understand the English humor mm -hmm. or whatever like that? Or, or do they just like to hear people joke about things in Taiwan or whatever yeah. like that? And it's just, um, the range of different styles of comedy is so broad that it's really impossible to, to narrow down and, and, and also I think that it's a mistake to target and say that the Taiwanese audience is monolithic mm -hmm. because, um, you know, Brian, my average is a much younger audience. There's another comedian, a uh, Taiwanese comedian named Jim, who does very, very dark jokes. Think of like <laughs> Anthony Jeselnik, whatever like that. His audience, you can see a lot more, tends to be a little more male heavy, maybe a little bit older. But uh, one of the interesting things you mentioned about like the uh, approach for the club, though, mm -hmm. there is one thing that I think that Brian brought when he started doing the Chinese mic. Uh, and again, I don't want to speak for the history of Chinese language comedy in Taiwan, but there is a... Chinese history of comedy that's outside of the Western framework of stand-up. Stand-up comedy is a Western art form. You know, it emerged out of vaudeville. You can trace a line from, you know, Bob Hope through Lenny Bruce, George Carlin, Richard Pryor, into Chris Rock, Chappelle, Louis C.K., blah, blah. You can draw a line. I'm sorry, I just named all male comics. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Jessica Kirsten, hilarious. Like, uh, you know, like, but you could draw a straight line and kind of progress this. There's outside of that exists a history of, of Chinese language comedy. Crosstalk would be the mm -hmm. uh, most popular w one that's known, um, where you have the two people on stage going back and forth. Uh, and some of Taiwanese early comedy definitely developed out of that. If you watch Taiwanese variety shows today, mm -hmm. those are so clearly influenced by crosstalk. And so... Chinese language open mics before were very kind of free flowing in terms of what you'd expect at a, at a stand up comedy open mic. Yeah. You might have a guy go up for his first time and do a 15 minute story and there's no punchlines along the way, but the ending might be a funny story, you know? And that's <laughs> like in English, you're getting the light after four minutes. You're like, dude, <laughs> jokes, jokes, jokes. And Brian kind of brought that expectation to his mics. He would tell comics. He's like, you need to tell jokes. There's a laughs per minute thing. You know, these are kind of targets that we have when we're writing. So, you know, for lack of a better word, he kind of introduced a, uh, a bit of a Western style to the open mic itself. And the benefits of that is you get a lot more comics on stage, you know, like when you have these five minute limits and you're mm -hmm. going through and um, combine that with his exploding popularity. Now you see these open mic lists are filled up hours before the show starts. You know, people are really eager to come out and try. And I've seen re in the recent thing I've seen is um, tons of little pop-up open mics in Chinese all over the city. Hmm. All these bars being like, yeah, we'll run a, we're going to run a Chinese mic, whatever. And so, which is great. Yeah, without, awesome. without advertising the, the competition, as it were, I have seen uh, since, I guess, the past couple of years, I've seen more Chinese comedy clubs pop up. That, is that true? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And again, uh, that's, that is good. That is great. That's, awesome. that, it's, it mm -hmm. is all good because we have a great room. You know, mm -hmm. our room is yeah, 150 seater, built for stand up comedy, great separation from performance room and bar. It's a great club. So the more other clubs that spring up, not that they're not also fantastic and have great venues, mm -hmm. whatever like that. But we know that our room, you're going to work at those clubs. You want to get on the show that Brian's hosting, right? He's, mm -hmm. he's, you know, so there's a benefit to being in a room in a city. And I, I yeah. can say I would consider, um, you know, 
you know, comedy base also is a fantastic room and, and, and Socio is a legend for what he's done for comedy in Taiwan. Yeah. But I would consider us one of the A rooms. And comics, uh, you, you need a, more than one club. You need a f- quite a few clubs to go through and practice and get to different audiences. Oh my God. I wish we yeah. had that in English. Oh my goodness. Yeah, if yeah. you could just pop up every night. Yeah. 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 That'd be fantastic. And, you know, and it's not like that in English, but in Chinese, the more it can get like that. I see, I'm, I mean, I'm friends with these comics on Instagram mm-hmm. and their stories, they're grinding. They're every night they're doing, they're doing mics and it's not New York City, you know, shout out Esther again, where you can mm-hmm. do six spots in a night. Like, you know, that's comedy mecca. But I mean, if you're starting to get up five nights a week, we're going to see the next Brian come from one of these mics and yeah. they're going to be really tested by fire in a way that even Brian wasn't. And he's a brilliant comic and a brilliant writer, but we're going to see it's out there some now is some, you know, 19 year old kid who dropped out of <laughs> interview, <laughs> dropped out of French, a, a French university, yeah, out French university <laughs> yeah, made the same mistakes uh, the, the rest of us did. And he's the, uh, and he or she is going to be the next big star. Okay, so uh, Sam, how did you personally get started in comedy? When, how far back was this? Uh, I lost a bet in Gesture. No, I, was, uh, I, had a, <laughs> I had a buddy who was uh, uh, friends. Uh, he surfed with another guy, Rob, who I shouted out earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, the only open mic in Kaohsiung, once a month, they were doing it at this place called Brickyard. But they was like, so he's doing a once a month all genres open mic in a dance club on a Sunday, you know? So he, so guy, some guy gets up and plays Wonderwall and then Rob gets up there and he's like, ah, let me tell you some okay. jokes and people just like, what's going on? So he wanted to start this real comedy open mic and I had talked to my roommate about doing comedy. So Rob just messaged me one day and he's like, um, I heard you like to tell jokes, come out and tell jokes. And of course I was like, no, I'll go and watch the first one. But he just like got on me. He was like, no, dude, like I'll tell everyone it's your first time. The audience will support you. You got to do it. And I was unemployed at the time. So I was like, all right, all right, let's do it. I have to do I, this. I talked myself into it and my friends were like pumping me up like go do it. And I showed up and I was like, all right, what order am I in the lineup? He's like, all right, well, it's me, then you, and it's me again. We're the only comics. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. He's like, how much time Same do you sandwich. have? I was like, I think I have like 10 minutes. He's like, you could see his eyes like, you have two minutes. And I was like, I think I got 10. Like, I had two. I had two minutes. And I got up and I got like one laugh my first time. Uh, it was at Black Dog in Gaoshang. And, uh, and uh, I loved it. Right from then, I was like, well, I'm going to do this. And lucky, I was so lucky that I was um, uh, met this guy, Rob, who was obsessed. He had a surf van. But I had another friend of mine in Gaoshang, Tommy, build us a, a stage and we would throw the stage in his van and we would drive around. We'd spend our weekends, we'd Facebook message bars in different uh, cities and we'd just go and pull up and do shows uh, if they'd have us in there. We'd, we'd bring our own stage. We'd be like, we got it. We got the stage rolled out. And uh, that's what we did for a year. Our goal was to do 100 shows in a year and we hit that in the year. And so, um, yeah, that was like a huge, that was like when I was like, okay, I'd, I never want this to not be part of my life, basically. Yeah. Well, like when I first met you, I thought you had been forged in the fires of like deep city New York or something, comedy clubs. But no, you started never. here in Taiwan. Here in Taiwan, yeah. Dang. And then the first time I, I kind of got a pop and knew that I could do a little bit better. I'd been doing comedy about a year and I got accepted to the Hong Kong International Comedy Fest, mm. which was the biggest festival uh, in Asia at the time. And uh, it's 30 comics. You do three nights and each night the top three advance to the finals. And I finished third in my night and I made it. So I made it to the finals my first year doing it. Uh, and my goal going over there was like, I just didn't want to be obviously the worst. I was like, <laughs> yeah. if I can just hang with these guys. If I guys. can look at someone else and say, he's worse than me. Yeah. Or even <laughs> just like, maybe it's close. You know, like, yeah. even if it's just like, oh, he wasn't like totally obvious. Like I didn't get boot, like, like no tomatoes thrown or whatever mm-hmm. like that. And the finals is like a 500 person room, which was like, you know, I can't even 
can tell you how many times bigger than the the biggest show I'd done at that point. And I did all right. I mean, I didn't place top three, but I made it to the finals and uh, and I, I looked like I belonged there. And that's when I realized like, oh, okay, like, um, you know, for what's going on over here, like I know... I feel a lot more confident about my place. And doing that festival exposed me to people who book shows around Asia. And that's what let me get started doing shows in the region, basically. How does comedy feel in the international space as opposed to doing something like, uh, have you ever done comedy in, in, in the States? I have. I have uh, I have absolutely bombed at a few open mics in the US. Yeah, okay. going back. I did, the, I did the classic mistake of uh, invite your friends to come see you do an open mic. <laughs> I didn't realize how brutal, like, you know, I know a little more now, but how like brutal it was. My first open mic in Boston, I showed up. I've been doing comedy again about a year and I rolled in and uh, there were 70 people in the bar and I was like this is a great turnout and they were like they're all comics I was okay. like what, what I'm like they're all comics waiting to do that the host would introduce comics three at a time <laughs> be like Angeline Trevor Sam up next and you just have to know your time you got two minute spots and um nobody like laughed or looked at you they were all just looking at their notes whatever and it was just it was just that's what the open mic was on a monday it was yeah. just uh, it was literally just like a workout space and i invited like friends so immediately all the other comics just like this idiot <laughs> like, look at this guy. <laughs> he invited his friends he thinks this is a show he thinks it's a show and everyone was just get up and they'd be like hey yeah like that they they're not, this is something i'm working on like and they just like do that mm-hmm. and i got up like i'm like hey guys like how's everyone doing tonight and everyone's just you could see just like, no dude no uh, that's not what been around the block so yeah. many times so i uh yeah so i ate it a bunch of times yeah yeah or i mean i've noticed that two three comedy it does feel a lot like a workshop on like maybe a monday yeah. um when people are going in just doing their sets it's yeah. like most of the comics in the room and which is a great vibe because you get to see everyone like it's really honest comedy you see things that yeah. don't work um but you also see a lot of things that are there for the first time yeah you know? yeah absolutely yeah that's the i mean the the spirit of the open mic and i would say like in general we have like a very supportive open mic you know mm-hmm. uh comics listen to each other that's rare in other places that i've seen uh people give each other feedback but yeah an open mic is that what it is it is what it is it's to it's for comics to work on and weed out what's not working in their act so you have to hear things you know there's a reason we don't charge a ticket for open mic, I always say in the introduction, you know, so, yeah. um, you know, some of it's going to work, a lot of it's not. And then, but certainly once you turn to a show, when it's a weekend, if someone is trusting you with a part of their Friday night, we, we hope that we give them a good show. You know, there's an obligation you have to the audience. They're coming out on their weekend that, you know, they're, they're having a drink, they're sitting down. Uh, and if you advertising it as a show and you're saying, hey, this is, this is a show, um, you know, like our craft comedy monthly show, then that's one that I think every comic feels an obligation to deliver. Um, so another huge achievement uh, that you you can add to your list is that uh, you started two three was it in 2019? Yeah, we opened it in 2019. And yeah. so you've had a wild ride through the pandemic. Yeah, Straight we on. hit it right at the beginning. We were like, yeah. can't wait for our first international act. Oh, no, wait. Oh, never. no. <laughs> That's never going to happen. Yeah, we had a, our first international act booked. Uh, Andy Curtin, a hilarious comic at the time, was in Hong Kong. He's in Australia now. He was going to come over and do a show in English and Chinese. And uh, and yeah, and then, of course, yeah, COVID hit. And so that one happened. So to- what was it like uh, during that time you... Uh, Taiwan seemed like was one of the only places where you could do stand-up, continue doing live stand-up amid a lot of lockdowns happening all over the world. Yeah, a lot of jokes. This is the best comedy show in the world right now, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) A lot of that. Yeah, a lot Uh of that. But it was, no, I mean... I mean, throughout, at, outside of just comedy, the COVID experience in Taiwan has been completely unique, right? The um, outside of, uh, you know, the the last summer, basically, uh, we've been able to, um, 
you know, enjoy life at a, at a, to, with degrees of freedom that are kind of unparalleled anywhere. And so, yeah, certainly when you're reading about the news from, I'm from the U.S., from back home, uh, and, you know, everything is shut down and locked down. And that way, you know, remember like before the vaccines, you know, there was no like light at the end of the tunnel type stuff. And it was just, and we're over here still doing our open mics and doing things. And also we were, um, really lucky at the time. A lot of comics, we were blessed like, like Esther, uh, a lot of Taiwanese, um, uh, comics who were based or living in the U.S. moved back. Mm. So not just Esther, we also had a lot of folks from Los Angeles. So our our roster grew, and we had a um, kind of a um, yeah, like a, a bumper crop, like well, a lot of, a lot of good performers coming in, and it was it was great for us. So what did you learn from doing open mic uh, hosting and and shows uh, over the internet on Zoom during the pandemic? When we had the epidemic (laughs) here last year during like, maybe it was like May 2021, Mm -hmm. um, you were hosting shows on a big old Zoom call. Big Zoom call, Uh, yeah. It's kind of like doing one-handed push-ups. Like you you know how to do a normal comedy show, you (laughs) have to like do it with crutches. That's a good analogy. Yeah, yeah. It actually reminds me, I think I still have to cancel my Zoom subscription. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we're going back online anytime soon. So yeah. nothing else got done today, we can save you some money. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, 12 bucks a month still running, man. So, um, yeah, the Zoom, um, I reminded me how much I love live comedy, honestly. It was such a, um, uh, and shout out to the comics who have been continuing to do it and who did it for years longer. It was, uh, it, it was, it's very tough, you know, the, the delayed, the, um, there's things you can learn from it. You can still write, you can still tell jokes that, like you said, there's, there's, it's better than no comedy. Uh, but it's doesn't compare at all to actually being in front of an audience live. That's the reason you do comedy for that. The one thing that was very funny about that though was um, we advertised it on our Facebook page, and um, the Chinese comedy elected not to do Zoom open mics. Okay. They were like, we don't, we don't want to mess with this. We're fine. We'll wait. It's all good. Don't want to mess with that. What, what kind of a vibe is that? They were just like, th- th- honestly, like when Maybe I spoke exhausted to exhausted or just like, yeah, they were just tired. They're right. like, no, nah, we're staying in. We're not, I don't, we don't want to do this zoom <laughs> thing, whatever like that. We just, they just didn't want it. They had no one. They, yeah. they watched one of ours. They're like, no, not for us. <laughs> we'll wait. But because there was the only open mic offered, a lot of the fans would come in. And I remember like an hour <laughs> into these shows, you start getting these messages like, where's Brian? Is this all in Chinese? <laughs> is this all in English? Is it when, will anyone do Chinese? Like, oh yeah, this is all, all English. And what would happen was they people were so polite they wouldn't leave the Zoom chat, but they would just mute their mic and turn off their camera. Mm-hmm. So you'd have like seventy people in the Zoom call, mm-hmm. and there's ten people with pictures, and then like five pages of just blank. <laughs> so you have no idea if they are listening, if they understand what you're saying, yeah. if anything's going, if they're still in the room. It was yeah, it was wild. This is like yeah. what is going. on? It's like on? when you have a million followers, but like two comments. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> okay. are these all bots? What's going on? Yeah, it was wild. Yeah. So yeah, thank goodness that was a a, a brief. Spell. So I guess uh, finishing up, uh, two three also hosts a lot of other shows. You guys are doing mm-hmm. a lot of stuff, traditional theater performances. You have improv. Um, you even have like drunk Shakespeare and drag yeah. shows. Um, do you see even more performance genres on the horizon? Or keep yeah, probably one of the biggest we're kind of excited for is um, we've uh, we upgraded our music, our stereo and sound system internally recently, and uh, just started experimenting with having some live music and bands in the space because realized that that room can also be a great like kind of listening room because it's again it's separate from the bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the bands we've had, and we've had great feedback so far. So looking to incorporate a little of that, maybe like early comedy shows and then DJs staying.
thing till later with a more of a lounge kind of atmosphere. Uh, so definitely live music is one thing uh, thinking we're looking to add. But the biggest thing on the horizon for us is um, when international travel opens back up, we have the biggest comedy club in Asia when that opens up again. And uh, we are well positioned to take advantage of that. There's going to be lots of opportunities for live performance at venues larger than ours with big comedy stars coming in. I know a lot of promotional companies are already working on contracts for people coming in. I think that once you see the quarantine drop, you're going to be surprised by the quality of international comedy that's going to be coming to Taiwan. And 2-3, I think, is going to be at the center of that. What, you said the largest comedy club in Asia? Uh, I believe that's correct in terms of like a comedy club because um, Hong Kong had a huge one, but it was uh, shut down. Uh, Live Nation was building one there and 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 the project fell apart. Um Singapore, Mary Lyon, I believe is close. I don't think they have a dedicated comedy club anymore. Um, Crack House in Malaysia is, I think we have more seats than them. And we've got more seats than I think any of the other comedy clubs, like mm. full on dedicated comedy clubs. There are larger shows like people like in larger venues. And I'm sure in China for Chinese language, there must be some bigger venues. But in terms of, yeah. As far as I know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Someone else tries to compete, you just buy more chairs. Exactly. Just stack them up. We'll, we'll rip down that <laughs> wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, <laughs> yeah. man. Stack um, them up. So, uh, last question. It's pretty general, but how do you feel about the future of stand-up in uh, Taipei, in Taiwan? I mean, tremendous. I mean, touching on it, like, briefly, the um, the future, especially for Chinese languages, uh, the, the sky's the limit there. Um, the popularity of it rising and, again, the opportunity for comics who are interested to get on stage multiple times a week is going to breed a generation of comics who um, have more stage time than any of the comics that we're seeing now who are kind of in their prime. So uh, you would think it's only going to get better. Also, you're seeing a lot of these uh, different uh, companies, um, you know, who are investing money into stand-up and also stand-up adjacent things like, uh, uh, like you know, um, news channels. And, you know, you're seeing all this con this energy and, and the, as that energy comes and as the eyeballs come on it, you get um, money and advertising involved in it as well. So I think this gonna, it's going to absolutely boom. For English, when the borders open back up, we're really well positioned to be there. We'll always be a part of it, um, but especially for Chinese language comedy, the sky's the limit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, anything else to finish off that you'd like to say to the people of Taiwan? Any plugs? Come check out 2-3 Comedy. Don't be scared. Uh, come on down. It's Linson Bay, but it's the nice part of Linson Bay. We're near TGI Fridays. It's nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, come on, check us out. <laughs> Seven nights a week. All right, 2-3 Comedy. This is Sam Yarbs. Thanks for joining us today, everyone. This has been Taiwan Talk. Until next time, I'm Trevor Tortomasi on ICRT FM 100. If you'd like to hear more from ICRT, you can check out our other podcasts. We've got Taiwan This Week, a roundup of the news in Taiwan every Friday, English in the News, for useful English expressions explained in Chinese, and EZ News, spelled with the letters E and Z, for simplified daily news. For some lighter news in both English and Chinese, check out News Bites and News for Kids. And if you enjoy them, tell a friend. Thanks for listening.